You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains the irresistibility of the scriptural God, who executes his will despite the stand of Pharaoh, unlike the other gods, who disappear with the crumbling of their statues. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. And you and your brother will tell Pharaoh, the tell is weak here, because in Hebrew we hear, Yodaber, your brother, Aaron will speak my word, and not tell as though you're talking over the phone. So that Pharaoh would let the people go. But, very tricky scripture, I will harden And here we have an interesting root that we still have in Arabic. Qassa, make hard the heart of Pharaoh. And this is obviously a scriptural trick to realize that God does his will in spite of the stand of the human being, whether it's Pharaoh or a Judahite or a Israelite king or even the people themselves. In this sense, he is irresistible. Who? The scriptural God, not God and the deity. Because the other gods and deities If you destroy their statue, they disappear. They have lips, but they can speak. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Pharaoh will not listen to you. Again, I don't want to keep repeating, but if you hear the original, you have the you here in verse 4 as ye in English. He will not listen to both of you. And we continue here the play between Moses, Aaron, and the two together. It doesn't make much difference. And then, I shall lead my people, the sons of Israel. Notice here you have my people, Ammi, and Bnei Israel. So you cannot switch between them whenever you feel like, because ultimately it has the same meaning. No, you have to hear the text. It's like, for instance, when your father used to address you, Rich or Mark, but sometimes your father would say, Rich, my son, listen to me. Makes a big difference. It's intentional. 
And the great acts of judgment is very interesting because we have here the plural of shefet, shefatim, which is from the root shafat, which means to emit the judgment. And time and again, I say to you and to everybody that in the Bible, God is judge. His function is judge. Keep referring to Psalm 82, which is very important. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my head upon Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Only then, which means that in the Bible, God is in his actions. In other words, he has a hand and he can strike you with it unlike the deities of the nations. And Moses and Aaron did so, they did as the Lord commanded them. Did so is found also in Genesis 6.22 with Noah, that Noah did all that God commanded him. And this is what you have in the original. In other words, as you remember in my comments on Genesis, Noah and here Moses and Aaron did not do anything. They just obeyed God's commandment. Now, my hearers, you can debate until doomsday regarding my statement. Unless you submit to the text, then you're going to have a spiritual retreat where you speak one hour about obedience. Let's grow in obedience. Stop growing. To obey means to do the will of someone else. I do my thing, which I'm going to show you that it is the will of God. That's what we do in our spiritual retreats, to make the people feel good about themselves. But if someone asks you about the others, they say, ah, the others do not count because they are unbelievers. Unbelievers. We do the will of God. So, please... Um, I can only beg you to stop playing these games. And the speaking is repeated in verse 7. Budabram el paro, when they spoke to Pharaoh, in their speaking unto Pharaoh. It's the word through the lips that carries the message. You don't have Moses speaking to Pharaoh from heart to heart as you read in the Hallmark cards. No, no. He has to utter the words. And keep in mind that famous story that you have in Jeremiah where God puts his words in the mouth of Jeremiah. And when Pharaoh speaks to you, here again you have in verse 9, says to you, but in the original, when he, the bear also. So you have the utterances of God 
versus the utterances of Pharaoh, which means the will of God versus the will of Pharaoh. Because how do you express your will? By giving commandments and orders, in other words, through your lips. And here we have the introduction of the tannin, the rod. This is another word for shebet, which is matte. Two words for the rod, very powerful. They both refer to the tribes of Israel. And this is another indication where the people of God are his flock. He is their shepherd. But the introduction of tannin is very important because here in English you have just serpent. And I had a long session in my latest book, Decoding Genesis 1 through 11, where I show you de facto through texts that there is a parallelism between Tannin and Nahash. The Tannin is more sea animal. The Nahash is more a land animal. It is introduced early in Genesis 3. One of the living beings of the Sade of the field. But functionally, they parallel one and another. You have to go to my text that I quote from the Psalms mainly. But when you hear it in the original, you're hearing tannin, which reminds you of these major animals in Genesis 1, and then which we meet again in Jonah. One more time, Hebrew, 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 as much as possible. In verse 10, we have another play on the singular and the plural. Listen to the English. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did as the Lord commanded. Now, went in Hebrew is singular and did is plural. Now, if you're a teacher of language, your tendency is to correct the author, as teachers do to their third grade students. But I'm saying you may not do that. The author writes the way he wants to write. So, between these two verses, 9, where we have tannin, and yet the text is translating it as serpent, as nahash, and the play on the singular and the plural, it is what it is. Now, we can debate that, but then if we do not begin with the datum, then what are we debating? And that's my trouble with classical theology. They begin with an assumption in their mind and then they read it in the text. You can do that. And 
when they did what the Lord commanded them, only at that point the rod became a tannin. And then in verse 11, the opponents of Moses and Aaron, the wise men, the counselors of Pharaoh, are doubled up with the word sorcerers. It's interesting because here we have a root that we still have in Arabic, kashaf. Kashaf in Arabic means to unveil, to reveal. So, if you know Semitic languages, you comprehend what the author is saying instead of just learning like this words by heart. The other one is also interesting for me which is translated as magicians. Now, in Hebrew we have the verb harat or harat. Until now, in spoken Arabic, especially in Egypt, interestingly, you see, when you say about someone, he is harat, meaning he's making up things out of his own mind. Again, without extra comments, but I believe that my hearers should make the effort to learn basic Hebrew and basic terminology, otherwise they will be stuck with that divinely inspired King James Version. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.